It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. Listen, I love the Philadelphia Eagles, but we all know drafting hasn't been their forte. That's the opponent. Shake his hand and get to the damn locker room. Whether it's the fight in Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. I mean, the Eagles had that game, and I hate the Saints. So, like, put them at the top of my list now. With the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins, the Vikings are up there. Screw them. The Patriots. I hate the Saints now. And John Mita. Jimmy Butler was your best player. So this offseason, I don't care how many millions it takes. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes, and it has been a while. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita with you. Johnny Mita, what's going on? Doing, Joe. How we doing? Good, man. Been oh too long, Joe. Oh too long. Yeah, I hear you, brother. I hear you. Life happens, you know? No doubt about that, for sure. What have you been up to, man? I feel like I haven't checked in with you in a while. It's, it's, it's been a while. Just kind of watching all these other teams play football. It's kind of depressing, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, also catching up with, you know, watching the Villanova Wildcats as they pursue Getting back to college greatness, so pretty much that's pretty much it. That work, and and then today I had a dentist appointment, and I just forgot how much I really enjoyed going to the dentist. I know it's fun, isn't it? Oh God, I mean I don't know what's worse. I mean I really don't. I don't know what what is like just as bad as going to the dentist. <laughs> I a- guess jail. I guess jail. I yeah, think jail might be the only other thing that's as bad as going to the dentist. So your list of most hated things would be jail followed by the jail. dentist. Yeah, yeah. Man, you might, you might want to see a new. You might want to find a new dentist. Hey, did I hear this right? Can, can we can we for a second talk about at one point you may or may not have dated your dental hygienist? I got this story over the weekend. <laughs> yes, yes. I um, this was years ago. Um, I did date my dental hygienist. And, and then uh, you had to find a new dentist. Yeah, exactly right. Because <laughs> I just, it, was, it wouldn't work. Yeah. You know, she was she was a nice girl, but and none of my friends seemed to really take to her character, personality. Hmm. So really? That's always a good sign. That's when you know that you got to give it the hook. You know, if the friends and family aren't on board with the old significant other, then it's probably not a good choice for you. So, so that ended pretty quickly. So did did she <laughs> like? Did you consider going back there, and you were scared she would like give you too much of the uh, you know of like the sleeping gas? Or I, I mean, I would love the gas. I mean, everyone appreciates <laughs> a little a little little gas from the dentist. A little I mean, loopiness. The best part, yeah, yeah, a little loopiness. Yeah, but um, no, I just I think maybe I went back one other time, but then it, it just got too weird. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of things happened. Yeah. This was a long time ago. For those that that, that are not following my dating timeline here, this was, this was like eight years ago, nine years ago, something like that. All right. Brotherly so. Love Podcast, SoundCloud, and iTunes. <laughs> Appreciate everybody tuning in at oh, Twitter, man. at Love Podcast. Um, all right. We've got a Super Bowl champion, Big Red, Fat Andy, finally gets it done. The Kansas City Chiefs. Win and come from behind fashion, thirty-one to twenty. They are the Super Bowl champs. Your thoughts on the game, John Meter, from what you watched, uh, from what you expected, and sort of any lasting impressions uh, from this NFL season. 
Well, I mean, going into the game, you know it's going to be a tight matchup, right? The Chiefs are favored by one and a half points. So you know that the odds makers have this game to be very close. And one of the things is I, I just looked at the quarterback and I thought, okay, advantage Chiefs. You know, Patrick Mahomes, he's shown he, he really never has a bad game, although he played not that great for three quarters uh, last night. And then you looked at San Francisco's defense, who was probably arguably the best defense in the league. And a lot of times during that matchup, the better defense in Super Bowl history tends tends to win overall. A um, couple things. It's, you know, the Chiefs got down. They got the ball back. You just I, I was rooting for Andy Reid. A lot of people were like, oh, you know, some people in the city, we won't give them any names. But, um, you know, just didn't want him to win you know, thought that he was just not a good coach when he was here and that the, some of the players that he signed that have some questionable, you know, backgrounds as far as, like, domestic violence goes. But I just wanted him to win because, listen, he gave, you know, he was here for 14 years, and he changed Eagles football. He put the Philadelphia Eagles organization on a, on a, different, a different track. You know, we weren't able to get to the playoffs every year. When he was here... We were always in the conversation. Went to several championship games, got the one Super Bowl. Still, I feel that we got cheated by the Patriots. I don't know how many times I'll say that the rest of my life. But um, I was just happy that the fact that he was able to come back and get it done. And here's the crazy part, Joe. If you're watching that game, it's so eerie, it's so eerie because it's so similar to when the Eagles played the Patriots, right? We're down 10 points late in the fourth quarter. But – one thing, the difference between Kansas City and the Eagles was that he decided to hurry up. So then they get the quick score. And then they had time to get the ball back again and score again. Whereas we methodically, or to quote the late great Hank Strand, matriculated the the ball down the field right. in a very slow fashion. And then by the time we got the ball back, we didn't have enough time to uh, either tie the game or win the game. So yeah, I was just happy you know, for, for everyone. And Mahomes, he seems like a world-class young kid. You know, he does a lot of great things in the community, and it was it was nice to see him. And, you know, a lot of former players. I mean, if you look nationally, like everyone was pretty happy for Andy Reid last yeah. night. So, yeah. all in all, you know, it stinks that, you know, Kyle Shanahan, they're going to say he blew another lead. But, you know, did he really blow the lead? Or the Chiefs, they were just that good that they could come back no matter – what the deficit was. I mean, it's just amazing. They're down 24 points to the Texans. Right. Come back and win. Every round, they were down to, to Tennessee. Down 10 points, came back and, and, and won by double digits. I mean, and again, last night, you know, they're down 20 to 10 with like eight minutes ago. I know. I thought it was lights out. I really did. And, and it was 31, you know, 20. It, it's just crazy. Yeah, I was I was shocked by the end result. Um, I thought the 49ers were the best team that I saw all year long. I expected them to win the game. I thought there was a chance they could win it handily. I don't know that I gave the Chiefs defense enough credit. You know, the 49ers never really established the run game, um, at least when you look at what they had done previously in the playoffs. You know, shredding the Vikings, shredding uh, the Packers in the championship game. They never really had that. Uh, sort of as part of their M.O. You know, you, Mostert had 58 yards. Kevin Coleman had 28 yards. They got some runs from Debo Samuel. But they didn't control the clock. They didn't wind the clock down. 
there may be one or two first down conversions in that fourth quarter away from winning the Super Bowl somewhat easily. Again, it was 20 to 10. What was it, eight minutes left? And you're thinking, this game's over. And next thing you know, the Chiefs get 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter, and they win going away, taking a knee. And and it didn't look like the 49ers knew what hit them. You know, if that game's four minutes shorter, two minutes shorter, maybe the Niners are the champs. But they didn't know what day of the week it was when, you know, that final few seconds is ticking down. They had to be like, what the hell is going on? Their defense was celebrating off another turnover in the fourth quarter. You know, they're they're cruising to a Super Bowl title. And then they just, they didn't. <laughs> I mean, it's it was kind of surprising, man. I really thought that their defense would cause enough havoc on Mahomes. And for most of the game, he didn't appear himself. And then he made a play to Tyreek Hill on that bomb where he was able to hang in the pocket and pick up 44 yards, I think it was. And the game pretty much turned on its head at that point. And I'm sure the Titans and their fans feel the same way. And the Texans and their fans feel the same way. Probably going, man, that could have been us. Because all three teams now that the Chiefs played, as you said, had them. Had them. They had them on the ropes. And they weren't able to get it done. Got to give Kansas City a lot of credit. Um, but the one thing I will say, you know, it, overreaction Monday in the NFL is a thing of beauty. And you're already getting the expect the Chiefs, expect Mahomes for the next. We always like to drop the next decade line. For the next decade, like, you just don't know. I understand Patrick Mahomes is going to be 25 in September. Like, he's still very, very young. But let's pump the brakes on this next decade stuff. Because as we've seen, the L.A. Rams, we all thought, well, the next decade, McVay and Goff, the next decade, they didn't even make the playoffs this year. So let's pump the brakes on this whole, let's expect the Chiefs in the conference final or Super Bowl over the next 10 years. Let's just relax a little bit on all that. There's a lot of moving parts, injuries, contracts, coaching changes, you name it, uh, before we just anoint the Chiefs the next dynasty in the NFL. Well, it's a great point you pick up, and I'm hearing all the type of national chatter, the same thing, like they're going to be there. And you're right. But here's they might be happen. there. They might be there four they times in the next nine yeah, years, but they might not as well. It's certainly a possibility, just like you said, injuries. I mean, we, we, we have seen in this town what injuries can do to your season. Yep. You know, sometimes it can totally just derail your hopes, your season, that's it. The other thing is Mahomes is getting paid, okay? So it'll be interesting because he's going to get the highest contract in NFL history yep. when it comes to quarterbacks. Now, if the Kansas City Chiefs go out and pay this kid $40 million, okay, if this kid is making like $40 million a year and your salary cap is what, like 100 and what, what is the number? Is it two? What, what I, was is thinking, number? I was two, thinking 110, but I, I could be way off on that. I'll $110 million? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, that means he would amass for like, Almost more than like thirty percent of your cap. It's one. one it, this year was one eighty eight. One eighty eight. Okay. But it, but so, my okay. understand my understanding is it's not expected to go up. Um, yeah. So usually we'll goes up like five to ten million. But still, even then, that's a big chunk of change for one player to yep. take up. And you got Travis Kelsey. You've got Tyree yeah. Kill. You know right. this Williams kid, the running back, is going to get paid at some point. You know, you've got a lot of guys you have to pay. And that's why it it seems the best way to win in the NFL is to win when your quarterback's on his rookie contract. I mean, it just that's seems it. like that that's the way to get it done. Um, now, 
obviously the Patriots have bucked that trend, but Brady typically hasn't been a top two, three, four paid quarterback because he's always taken less money. Um, You're right. That's not going to happen now this summer. He's going to finally get paid because he's on, you know, his last right. legs. So we'll see what shakes right. out of that. But um, all right. Anyway, Chiefs win it 31-20. They're Super Bowl champs. I am happy for, for Fat Andy. Uh, I didn't know if he'd ever get it done. It kind of felt like, especially after last year, the way they lost late to the Patriots in the championship game, that that was just Andy Reid's M.O. I was really hoping going into the game we weren't going to get vanilla Andy Reid. You know, I was hoping you'd see some misdirection, some trick plays, and I felt like he called a game that, you know, with the help, I'm sure, of Eric Bieniemy, that that allowed them to just be creative and, and keep the Niners off balance a little bit. Stay in the game. The last thing I wanted to see was, you know, the Niners win, and it's just like a bland Chiefs offense, and you're like, dude, you had two weeks to get ready for this game, and you just laid out the Andy Reid special. That Had that happened, that would have driven me absolutely crazy yesterday, and I got no skin in the game. It's just It seems like that's happened to, to Big Red so many times with his teams where they just they just don't look ready. They're flat, whatever. Um, and they don't get it done. And and honestly, when they played the Texans, when they're down twenty four to nothing or whatever it was, they looked that had Andy Reid's fingerprints all over it, flat, rattled, not executing, in a big spot. And it's like, dude, they're just not ready. And then all of a sudden, they turn that game on its head, and they continue to do that throughout the playoffs. Yeah, um, and it's just uh, one of the. I mean, I think I think the one thing that was kind of different with him yesterday. Is he was going for it on fourth down no matter what. Yeah. He had so much confidence, and, and that's not really his MO either. You know, he was always more of a concern. Now, that's kind of Doug, Doug's MO. Yeah. He's like, man, I'll, I'll go for it anywhere. But I think he really was like, listen, you may not get here again. And, and those could be the things that he learned from, you know, the previous Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles that you might not get another shot at this. So you got to leave everything out there. And I think that's kind of what he did on those fourth down plays. All right, let's jump to the birds since we haven't been on in quite some time. Last time we talked, uh, they were getting ready to play the Seahawks. Obviously that game turned on its head when Wentz was knocked out a handful of plays in the Eagles come up short. They just had nothing offensively, unfortunately. Um, But Hey, you win the division. You get a chance to see some younger guys make an impact. You certainly have some free agents and some contract situations you've got to get resolved. But the lasting impression for you on the Eagles season and the biggest, the one biggest thing that has to happen this offseason, give us those two things, John Mita. Well, first thing was, damn it, why did Carson have to get hurt again? Yeah. And what a brutal, and that, that hit was brutal. It was late. It was missed. Clowney should have been fine. I don't care what anyone says. They can come out. They can say that the league came out and they took forever to look at that. That's just garbage. What I did see is uh, there is some injection of youth. This is one of the oldest and aging rosters in all the National Football League. And it looks like we might have found a couple players that can contribute. And when I say a couple of those guys, like Greg Ward, I'd like to see him become the new slot receiver. See you later, Nelson Aguilar. Bye-bye. We also need to draft a receiver. Um, there's some key free agents. I think you're going to see Jason Peters go. Obviously, Sproles is retiring, so there's going to be a lot of guys, Nelson Aguilar, that make up a lot of money, Ronald Darby. But you really have to. This is going to be one of the most important drafts 
in Howie Roseman's career as GM because they have a great deal of draft capital because they didn't want to give up any draft picks to like make a late season trade, you know, to acquire another piece to get them over the hump. But it's going to be so important. You got Malcolm Jenkins coming back. He says that, you know, he's not going to play on his deal. I, I give you that. I'm all about giving him a new deal. The question is, what type of deal is that going to look like? If he wants between 12 to $15 million, if you put 12 to $15 million in an aging safety, I'm not so sure I'm on board with that. I love him. He's going to go down as one of the greatest Eagles of all time, but it really depends. It's got to be somewhat of a friendly deal for both sides. I'm not saying he shouldn't get paid, but I'm also saying that you can't take that much money and pay because then there's other guys. Then you got Zach Ertz coming up. What do you do with Zach Ertz? That's a big question. You know, would you trade him? I mean, this is a question that I'd have for you, Joe. Do you try to land, like, while he's still in the good of his prime of his career, do you try to land, like, some more draft? The other thing is he's getting up there, and he'll have to get paid, and then Dallas Goddard is going to have to get paid because he'll be coming up off his rookie deal in a couple years. So there's so many questions. The one thing is, I think they, they hit on the Miles Sanders pick. That's great to see. Andre Dillard, it's time to just say goodbye to Jason Peters and let this young kid go. When he was at playing left tackle and he was a starter, he seemed to be progressing nicely. We don't know what's going to go on with Jason Kelsey. Is he going to retire? Who are we going to throw in that spot? So there's many rosters. We need to improve defensively. We need some playmakers on this football team. We don't have that. The other thing is we need some edge pass rushers. I love Brandon Graham, and I also love Derek. I like when they picked Derek Barnett. He showed a lot of promise. But to be honest with you, he might be – I don't want to bring in the B word, and a lot of people thought Brandon Graham was that at first until they finally put him in a 4-3 defense. But, I, I mean, Derek Barnett, he's got 13 and a half sacks in three years. That's not enough production. As a rookie, you should get four sacks. Second year. You should have close to eight sacks third year. We're expecting double digits from a top 15 pick, and he's not there. And that's worrisome. And if you look at that draft, you had Derek Barnett, Sidney Jones in the second round, and Russell Douglas. Okay? If none of those guys can play, if none of those guys can play, then that draft was an entire waste. Because Russell Douglas, he'll be coming up. Jones will be coming up on his deal. I mean, it's just, you know. It's just a joke. Yeah, it's more. Anyway, it's more of the same as far some... as average drafts, you know, and not getting major impact. Yeah, like in your first three rounds, you have to get players to become starters for your football team, if not Pro Bowl caliber type players. Yep. Well, I'll answer your Zach Ertz question was saying I, I wouldn't trade him. I wouldn't explore trading him. And even if it got you a first-round draft pick, I just don't see that player making an impact. The Eagles' track record doesn't show me that I should have confidence in them with an extra pick or two making the most of it. So I'd rather have one of your few valuable pass-catching and reliable options on the team as long as possible. And if the wide receiver situation doesn't magically fix itself by next September, and I'm talking a serious upgrade at that position, with some needed depth, then you've got to rely on your tight ends to catch the football more. Then you've got to rely on Goddard and Ertz to beat those one-on-one matchups with the linebackers and the safeties. Um, 
certainly Miles Sanders, you hit it, a great acquisition. He is going to be a ball player. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You mentioned Greg Ward. Couldn't agree more. He needs an opportunity, a big-time role next year. And I think Boston Scott is going to contribute as well. So I think there's – I have less concern about the skill position players than maybe most of Philadelphia because of the emergence of Scott and Ward. And you've got Ertz and Goddard coming back. Hopefully Deshaun Jackson's healthy. You don't know what you're going to get from Alshon if he's even back and healthy uh, maybe by three, four, five weeks into the season. But I'm assuming – that they can't be any worse than they were a year ago. So you make your upgrades, you sign a receiver, you draft a receiver, you hope that you're way better than you were last year, but you certainly should just be better because it'd be hard to be worse. My biggest offseason need or the biggest thing that I would like to see the Eagles take care of are again starting at the line of scrimmage. Both sides of the football, the best, like deepest personnel grouping you can get I won on the line of scrimmage because we've seen that you can't have enough offensive linemen and you certainly can't have enough, you know, too many pass rushers. So I would love the birds to focus on the line of scrimmage, offensive, defensive, protect Carson Wentz, get after the opposing quarterback. You do those things, you win in the trenches. We all know it. It's never changed in football. You're going to have success. So yes, skill positions. Yes, getting younger as you touched on. But to me, I want those lines shored up both sides of the football deep, ready to go, whether that's fresh meat out of the draft, kids that are young and hungry, or some free agents. I don't care how they get it done. They have to address the offensive line and defensive line, making sure they're better and deeper than they have been in the past. Obviously, depth in the trenches is huge. But the other position, too, and how he's got a lot to do is cornerback. You know, we need corners that can cover receivers because we, we desperately, we haven't had a good pair of corners, and I'm talking pair of corners. Yeah. Since like Troy Lito, and Bobby, Shepard, man. Yeah. Well, Troy and Bobby are Lito and Sheldon. Yeah, Sheldon. Pretty yeah. good tandem. Yep. You know, that was a good tandem. And yep. we haven't had that in years. And, and, and think, about, think about how the Eagles went from A to B, right? Like I, I said Bobby yeah. and Troy – you said right. Lito and Shelton, and that was sort of like a seamless, like they, they came up under those guys and took the exactly. reins and continued that run. It's a great point. Who's that next yeah. wave? You know, yeah, Well, we've been trying to draft corners for years, and we failed miserably. Yep. And, and safeties. And safeties. Like Rodney McLeod, too. That's the other thing. Yeah, he's Rodney up. McLeod, Rodney McLeod's a free agent. I mean, there are some big, I mean, you look at, like I like you look at the the amount of free agents yeah. that this team has. Yeah, and a I lot mean, of them are the they're the veteran core guys. They're the leaders. They're your experience. So they've got to make decisions not based on heart. You know, yeah. well, this guy means a lot to us. We really like this guy. He's good in the community. Unfortunately, that ain't gonna win it for you. You've got to make hard decisions and they gotta make the yeah. right decisions. And we'll see. Yeah. Time will tell. And what do you do at backup quarterback? You look at the Teddy the Bridgewater. Eagles. Teddy Bridgewater, get him in. Wow, well, yeah, but he's going to go start somewhere. Where, in my opinion? Well, it depends. You know, Drew Brees might retire too. Right. And there's a lot of, but you got Josh McCown, free agent. Nate Sudfeld, Jordan Howard, running back. Nelson Aguilar, Jason Peters, Vitae, Tim Jernigan, Vinny Curry, Camus Grugier Hill, Ronald Darby, Jalen Mills, Rodney McLeod. Those are all unrestricted free yeah. agents. And there is some talk I know of Nigel Bradham. He's one guy that if you cut can actually get you some money. 
Whereas if you cut Alshon Jeffrey, you have like twenty oh. million in dead in dead cap money. Yeah. You know, so oh, you, you're right. But yeah. one guy that I've read that can at least free up some space. I think Bradham gets yeah. you about five million in space if you yeah. just if you part ways. So that that's something the the birds will have um, to consider. Another another position that we need, you know, linebackers. Yeah. I mean, that that's the biggest thing with this team. It's like we just lack for years. You know, it's not like oh we haven't had a good linebacker in two years. No, we haven't had like an all star linebacker in like ten years. Yeah, or like an all you know what I mean, or like an all pro corner. And to go that long, it's just like, man, how are these guys and the scouting department keeping their jobs? But that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's shift gears on to a sure. uh, way more serious and, and somber situation yeah. in the, the Kobe Bryant tragedy that the helicopter crash that claimed nine different lives and really shook up the entire, not only sports world, but sort of internationally – uh, people rallying around what was just a horrific, horrific tragedy out in California. Um, you would know more than me, or I guess sure. I should say, you you know, certainly being closer to uh, to the basketball scene and, and yeah. knowing people that know Kobe well personally, given his lower Marion ties, and just what did you make of, of what you read, what you saw, the way the world sort of stopped almost and really rallied uh, over the last 10 days uh, over a, a, just a terrible situation. Yeah, it's um, it was awful. Like even if you didn't know the guy, even if you didn't like the guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just, let me just say this: like just, I never was a Kobe Bryant fan, and it wasn't because, right. but it's just like he was a Laker, and in two thousand one, yeah. you know what I mean? Like right. I never was like. So, sometimes you look yeah. from afar and you're like, I like this guy or I don't like that guy, whatever. I was never a Kobe fan. Um, but obviously you respect the hell out of what he accomplished and he seemed to be on a rebirth as far as his personality and being a father and doing the right things and having a lot of his life left ahead of him to do greater things and continue the path he was on and it's all just stripped away from him. So just to your point quickly about, yeah, like even if you didn't like him, I hadn't, I wasn't a fan of him because he was, he was a hated Laker, but I'm with you a thousand percent, even somebody like that. When, when you see what happens and you think about how suddenly everything changes for his family and all the other families affected, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, so as far as Kobe goes, um, I was kind of close to the situation. I never met him, never knew him, but it was around him a lot. Like growing up, you know, when I even saw him play, when he played for Ballot when he was playing at Ballot and that was the middle school that fed into Lower Marion. Like this guy was icing his knees after his like eighth his eighth grade game. Like this guy was the head of the curve. He would have like two big ice packs. And then I saw him, you know, it was around high school and everyone's talking about how the legend grows. And I remember when my brother had the garden in high school, it was crazy to watch this guy. He was just you could just tell, you're like, he he didn't need to go to college. You're like, if anybody can make the next level and skip college, you're like this guy because he would give out work to anybody that was in his path and how dedicated he was and how much the game of basketball meant to him. Like he didn't care about anything else. You know, like he didn't want to go out and party. Like in high school, I heard stories like it was just all basketball 24 seven, every minute of the day, it was him going to play and getting better and then playing against better competition in high school. He was like scrimmaging against the Sixers. I mean, it was crazy. Couple memories I have 
Uh, they were playing Malvern Prep. Everybody probably knows the name in this area. Ben Davids, he was playing Mount for Malvern Prep basketball. So the Malvern fans, I'm sitting with my, my cousin, Deuce, and he's a Malvern. So they're screaming and heckling Kobe in Lower Murray. He literally steals the ball, looks over at the crowd, smiles, rips a 360 dunk, and then just stares at the student, the Malvern student section. And there were just certain moments like that. You could just tell how great this guy was going to be. Uh, one of my fondest memories, my dad got to know Greg Downer, who is the head coach of Lower Marion Basketball through Mainline Health and Fitness. And he got us tickets to go see Lower Marion play Coatesville in the Palestra during the playoffs. And it was Richard Hamilton versus Kobe Bryant. You can imagine what type of game that was like yeah. up and down. I remember the game, like not, not being there, but yeah. I remember the, yeah. just the buzz around our high school, uh, like, yeah. you know, the community. Oh, uh, it was, it was insane. It was like a great showdown between two professionals, like, you know, LeBron versus somebody or who, who's going to top the other. Oh, somebody came down to this play and then back and forth. It was just incredible. You know, and then he, you know, he just, this guy is just so amazing, everything he got to accomplish. And he had his mind set. He was the most driven individual that I have ever seen. I mean, think about this. This guy loved the Lakers at like 17 years old. All he wanted to do was play for the Lakers. He gets drafted by the Charlotte Hornets, and he pretty much kind of pulls what an Eli Manning did to San Diego. He goes, I will not play for Charlotte. I want to go to the Lakers. Find a way to make it happen. Then he goes to the Lakers, and Jerry West makes the deal of a lifetime and brings him out there. And, you know, five championship laters. I think you, you brought up a great point, Joe. I think early on in his career, he was cocky. He was arrogant. He wasn't liked by many people in the league. And I think as he got older, he totally evolved. I think the other thing that shook him up was the rape case in Colorado, when basically he was up for trial there, and they ended up, you know, the, the, the case got dismissed. Ultimately, he settled uh, a civil suit outside of court. But I really think that shook him up as a person. I think his his invincibility kind of went out the win window, and you saw a sign of vulnerability. And from that moment on, when he be, you know, as a husband, I think when he started to have children, I think it really changed his world. And the fact that he had four girls and he just embraced having girls and he loved every minute of it. And his daughter that, that also perished in that horrible helicopter incident, she had a love for the game like he did. Yeah. And it was just to see them the way they talked, it, it's just, it was just sad. And the impact that this guy made, it was just, I mean, the guy won an Oscar. Like how many professional athletes are going to win an Oscar? And he did this, I don't know if you see it, it's called Beer Basketball. It's a, a short seven-minute film, you know, with animation, short animation film. And if you watch it, it's, it, it's really impactful. And he had so much to give. He was going to do so many more things. I feel like he had that killer mentality. And that's the one thing on the court as a player. You don't see that in many guys. Yep. And the only the only other person that I saw that type of mentality in was Michael Jordan. Yeah. And he emulated Michael so much. He walked and talked and breathed like him, and you know, because he wanted to be better than him. You know, which is hard to believe, but he, you know, he tried everything. And you got to give him some credit too to play for. There was talk that Jerry West talked him out because he was gonna. He wasn't 
liking the way the Lakers organization was going. He was going to leave. He was possibly going to go sign with the Los Angeles Clippers. Jerry West talked him out of it. And uh, to play for one year, to play 20 years in the NBA, that type of grind, 82-game season, back-to-back. He's in the playoffs every year. He's competing for championships. you got to win another 16 games to win the title. That is to do that, but just to – just the way he lived his life. I mean, he, you know, I give, I've, I've read everything. I've been addicted to this stuff just to hear the stories, you know, the legends. This guy's getting up at five o'clock in the morning to play one of his teammates one on one full court before school starts. I mean, you hear all the stories and how many people he touched. And it, it's just a shame. It's, you know, 41 years old. And the thing that really got me, he told Tracy McGrady, I don't know if he said this, but like that he was going to die young, but. 41 years. As someone who has dealt with a lot of loss in my life, you know, regarding close family members to me, it's just, you know, way too young. And you just feel for those kids, you know, that are not going to have their father moving forward as they grow up. Yeah. And that, that is, and, and for his wife, you know, I, I lost this spouse, so I know what that feels like. And um, it's not fun, but, you know, you basically, and I think the overall message uh, that I take from it, is, and, and I live my life, I live every day like it's your last and appreciate your family members. Don't be afraid to self, tell somebody that you love them because you just never know when somebody's going to get the call to go up. And it, and if you didn't make amends with them, you saw all these NBA players that, that had beasts with one another that are like, you know what, life is too short for us to, you know, be squabbling over, over little things, over stupid stuff. And let's make amends, and let's and you can see how much this has really impacted Shaquille O'Neal. You know, obviously, you know they had a tumultuous relationship. I think there was a lot of rehabilitation to their relationship in the last year, and you can tell that he is absolutely heartbroken as well. So, just all across the globe, man, you didn't realize. I don't think you realized. And who said it? Oh, I mean. Dwight Howard, after the record. I mean, that's the other thing, the coincidence. Yeah. You know, LeBron James breaks the record, and then the next night, yeah, like, and everybody's going to remember. It's one of those things, like, where did you get the news? Like, I was in a bar in Armour and came across Twitter, and you're like, no way. Like, are you, like and you just, you couldn't believe it. You just couldn't believe it. And, uh, and Dwight Howard said, we should appreciate those ones, you know, while they're here, you know? You know all the people that hold these records, and, yeah. And then the next day, it's just, it's just crazy. I know, and and, and the record being broken in Philly too. Um, you know, obviously yeah. where he grew up. That, so I didn't even think about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was the talk. Everyone thought that it was very attainable for LeBron to break the record because he needed 18 points. It was like a drop in the bucket for him. Yeah. But I guess because with his girl having basketball games early in the morning the next day. You know, it wasn't really – that's probably why he did not attend the game. Yeah. If he didn't have anything, he probably would have been there. But Well, very well said, John Mita. The only thing I'll add is is when you mention his age, I think that's the thing that struck me the most when you see, like, 1978, 2020, and then, you're, you know, you're thinking about yourself and just turned 40 and, and, and knowing that he was in high school when we were in high school. And th- those are the things you go, damn. You know, like, it, it really – it hits a lot closer to home – just because he's the same age as us, you know, that that sort of thing. And then the other thing I'll say, I feel terribly for 
the other families because it will always be yeah. the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash. You know, true. Um, and I feel Great like the, I feel like the other outlets, the the teams that have paid tribute, the players that have paid tribute, the the organizations that have, you know, had uh, memorials before games and stuff. They've done a good job not letting everybody yeah. forget about the other passengers. But at the very end of the true. day, they're they're very much nameless um, to a lot of folks. Yeah. You know, ask me to name one other person the crash other than Kobe and his daughter, and I'd be like, oh, there's a baseball coach. You know, like Mike something. You know, unfortunately right. yeah. for those folks, they, they'll get some recognition because it was such a uh, an, an international tragedy in a lot of ways. But in a lot of ways, they'll get almost lost in the shuffle. And I, I feel bad for those families um, to have to sort of endure that extra pain or, or, you know, just not feeling that it's as fair or that, you know, that, that they haven't been, they haven't been done right. Anyway, just a couple thoughts I had on it. Yeah. We have, that, we have the same birthday. He was born on August 23rd. We share the same birthday. And there was a guy that I went to high school with. His name is Dave Harmelin. And he literally, um, he stayed back here and then, then he, um, graduated with me. But he was born right next to Kobe Bryant at Lankanal Hospital. Wow. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, all right, lastly, the Astros got more than a slap on the wrist from Major League Baseball. So much has come out of this sign-stealing controversy yeah. since we last spoke. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts on where all this goes for baseball now? I mean, it's, well, not, it, a, it's not a good look. It, it looks terrible. You know, it's we knew that the punishment was going to be harsh. Um, I think a lot of people are also calling for the players to be punished. And I just, the hardest thing is like, how do you go about that? Right? Like, are you going to take out their best players for 10 to 20 games or suspend them a half season? How are they going to fulfill the roster? Like there's just no good way to punish the players. As far as, you know, they did a nice job of suspending the people involved and then ultimately, all these guys are losing their jobs. Um, it's hard to punish the players when basically they were kind of directed by by their superiors to do this. You know what I mean? It's not like, I'm not saying they didn't have a hand in it, but it's like, okay, if you're going to work for somebody and they want you to do something shady, you're not really on board, but you know you might lose your job if you don't participate, it, it, it's kind of hard. Um, I think the only other thing, it's hard to take a World Series title. You know, you got the Los Angeles people, those quacks, okay, that council out there that are demanding that Major League Baseball just hands them the World Series because of the cheating. Yeah, that's it's just so ridiculous and not going to happen. I mean, but, I, understand where, I understand why they feel robbed. No, you, I, you, I would feel yeah. robbed too. And you look at the numbers, and they, I'm not saying they don't have a valid point. I think the only way to do it is if, you just maybe don't take the ring. Maybe you just vacate those yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. Right? You can just vacate the trophy. So nobody gets, you know, the Dodgers, they don't get awarded it, but it's just vacated. Right. I think that'd be the only other way to, to do it. And to also send the message is if you get caught doing something like this again, then that's it. I mean, um, so it's, they did come down with punishment. I mean, the, the system they had was incredible. I know. I mean, just dynamic. And we all know it goes on all the time. Sure. You know, the Phillies had the who was it the um, you know, like the bullpen coach is Nick. I forget Bill Meyer, whatever yep. it was. 
you know, he's, you know, looking through binoculars. I mean, these guys are using buzzers and computers and cameras. And, and it's just, I mean, the one thing that was so damning, the one stat I saw as far as player production, it was like Jose Altuve in like the ALCS was like at home. He's batting like 427. I know, I know. You know, three home runs, you know, eight. And on the road, he was hitting a buck 35. And you're like, but, and again, just knowing the answers to the test. I mean, yep. if you know a fastball's coming, where they're locating it, I mean, it's, and that's just such a It's half the battle, advantage. man. It's half the battle. Yeah. And I, and I yeah. think I, the, the thing I'll be looking forward to is how does this play out long term? The microscope yeah. that will be on the Astros moving forward will be intense. <laughs> and we'll see. We'll see how good they are. We'll see if they have a quote-unquote chip on their shoulder we'll see if they just fold up like a tent I mean I I'm going to be absolutely enthralled with the following you know the next this season and and seeing what happens to the hitters individually do their numbers drop does the team is the pressure too much or do they go out and prove that they didn't need whatever they were using and they're great athletes great ball players and they hit just fine and they compete they win 100 games whatever it'll be a very very interesting storyline can't wait to uh, sort of see how that unfolds. John Mita, real quick, uh, went to Vegas for a couple of nights with uh, Brotherly Love podcast supporter Matthew Walter Finnegan, and we got a chance to meet Pete Rose. He was at the MGM. He was signing autographs. We paid for the meet and greet. Did you? Yeah, we got our 10 minutes or so with, with Charlie Hustle. It was freaking awesome, all right? But I asked him about the sign-stealing scandal, given his situation. Yeah. And he was like, everybody steals signs, third guy on third base, always looking at the catcher, all those things. But he's like, when you involve electronics and computer, even Charlie Hustle was like, way too far, cross the line. So that is a guy that has been, unfortunately, known for a scandal, known for his cheating uh, so to speak, yeah. known for betting on baseball more than anything else. I mean, the poor guy's relegated to to hanging out with me and Finnegan to make a buck these days. But it was kind of cool to ask him his thoughts on it, and he shot it straight, you know. Sure, well, they, part of the game to well, steal signs, but they cross the line. Well, it's crazy. So, like, there's a huge mural, right, that basically is in Citizens Bank Park. Yep. And if you sit in the Diamond Club, it's like a picture of all the old greats. Yeah. You got Mike Schmidt, yep. you got Charlie, you got Ryan Howard, you got all these people in there. And you never see Pete Rose. Right. But there is a vase with a rose on yep. the table. Yep. And it's it's amazing how Major League Baseball can control you from just even putting pictures of him up. Yeah. Like that's that's ridiculous. But it's funny, when you brought up this scandal and I, I knew what he said, I heard he had a response to it because of you know, not being in the Hall of Fame, and I think it's amazing that you had the meeting, Greta, and the fact that you even asked them that, which is which is cool as well. And um, you know, I don't. I think eventually he should be in the Hall. Of I fame. think at this point, think... baseball needs to to just get a wing with an asterisk yeah. that talks about you know the the scandals. Yeah. At this point, you've had so many scandals in the game of baseball yeah. from the nineteen whatever. Uh, Chicago Black, Black Sox. Sox, right, to yeah. steroid era, to Pete Rose, yeah. to the sign stealing. I mean, at yeah. this point, you know, you're going to – you might as well acknowledge these players for their great numbers and their contributions to the game and just right. say 
what they did was not condoned by baseball. However, what they did on the field is deserved of a spot in Cooperstown. I agree. All right, I brother. You, you, oh, you had to spread the love real quick. What do you got? Oh, well, did, did you want to go first? Yeah, you, you know, I, I was actually, we kind of talked about them earlier. Um, okay. But I, I'm going to spread the love to, uh, to the one and only Big Red. I think Andy Reid, you know, for everything that man has gone through, for his dedication to the game, for the number of years and the, and the hours he's put in at the facility and on the field and on the sidelines and all the crap he's gotten and the grief he's gotten. And he, he just seems to be the same person that we always knew in Philadelphia. He has not changed uh, on the sidelines, in his press conferences. His players still love him. What he went through losing a son to a, to a drug addiction. Like, he has been through the ringer and back. And for him to finally be at the top of the mountain, I'll tell you what, man, I didn't expect to care about it as much as I did. Uh, but I was I was really happy for him when they when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last night. And I think it's just the cherry on top of a Hall of Fame coaching career. And even though it never panned out in Philadelphia, uh, I was glad to see Andy Reid get it done. So I'm spreading the love to him today. I like it. I like it. That's who I was rooting for Big Red. Glad he was able to get it done. I'm going to go with – I'm going to spread the love to a – person from Lancaster, his name is Brad Rutter. He was on Jeopardy uh, coming down in the showdown with like the best Jeopardy winners, Ken Jennings and that last guy, I forget the guy's name, but didn't really have an answer to the question. I guess it was to the Daily Double. And basically he risked, his answer was Eagles Super Bowl 52 champs and he risked $4,133. So the fact that you know, on these game shows that it just shows you how much that Super Bowl win meant to everyone in the Delaware Valley and the tri-state area. And uh, I thought it was great, you know, to risk 41-33. Yep. We all know that was the final score. And, you know, just seeing the confetti blast last night, it just, like, God, we got to get back and win another one. I know, know? man. It, and, and honestly, I'll say this. Just I, the I, hunger. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, last Super Bowl stunk, right? The Rams, the Patriots, yeah. the Snooze Fest. And I awesome. I wasn't even that thoroughly entertained last night. I mean, I didn't watch yeah. every play. I wasn't glued to it. And I don't know if I just didn't yeah. think the game was that good or I just don't care. I mean, I told you yeah. before, there were years where I didn't watch Super Bowl. When the Eagles were losing those Andy Reid team yeah. uh, in, in the championship game, I, I stopped watching the Super Bowl because it was too painful. And yeah. I just, I, I don't care anymore. I don't know, like, if the Eagles game was just that great, maybe the best Super Bowl ever. Obviously, we're biased, but... As, yeah, no, as a game, and I, I this came up last night, I'm like, even though we're Eagles and biased and whatever, just the back and forth of that football yeah. game. You just didn't know who was going to come out on top. And there was a bit of everything in it. It was just... That was one of the best ever yep. that I've ever seen. And obviously to see them in person made even better. Yeah, man. But like, oh, we got to get back. We got to, they got to get back and we got to see Carson Wentz. You know, what can the guy do when he is healthy, you know, with weapons? And I'm looking forward to that. So. All right, John. I mean, always nice catching with you, bud. Sorry. Been so long no, no. and uh, we'll try and get one done in the next week yeah, or so as well. We'll get one done. I'll have, um, you know, coming up, I'm going to have the big time draft preview. It's going to be, the best preview I ever put together. All right. So I'm working hard on that. I like it. Good stuff for John Mead and Joe Donald. Appreciate everybody tuning in and a uh, little patience as we uh, 
as we uh, had a little hiatus there. Oh, by the way, I got a shout out real quick, real quick. Sure. Shout out to BL Podcast Arduent Supporter. I believe that's the appropriate term. And my boy Screech, who is now a proud father. So, uh, Ah. Screech, good job, brother. Teddy Branson Anderson, born on Friday night. So, Teddy, we'll have to get you uh, hooked to the B Love podcast once you're old enough to know what the hell we're talking about. Branson Anderson. You got it. To be announced. You got it. You got it. All right. Good job, Screech. Happy for you and the family. Everybody tune in. Appreciate all love and support for John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. Till next time, we'll see. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.